So as we celebrate together this most solemn of eight days, starting today, Easter Sunday, this is, begins everything for us. But God knows our human nature, and he knows that we have to rely on a little guidance. Now, we want to know usually what something is before we decide to think that it is true. Well, here we have it. You know, two reasons why people don't get grace. Grace is everything. Grace is the way we get to heaven. To be in a state of grace or not determines your eternal destiny of heaven or hell. And there's two reasons that people don't get grace. One, they don't believe that he rose from the dead. Or second, they want to believe it, but they can't grasp it. They don't understand it. Well, confusion sometimes. Like, look at a lot of people will point, well, Lazarus rose from the dead. So what makes Jesus so special? Well, Lazarus, first of all, was risen by Jesus, right? But his body was not changed. It was just the same as before. And he would die again. Now, Jesus' body was not the same as it was before, and he would never die again. The resurrection means that Christianity is unique and completely different than all other religions. You know, Mary Magdalene, who we read about, loved Jesus most. She never forgot what Jesus did for her. Why do you think she loved Jesus the most? Why would she love Jesus probably at that point more than the apostles? Because Jesus had done more for her in forgiving her of such sin. Neither should we forget what Jesus has done. This is why Mary was given the privilege of being the first at the tomb. She was the most appreciative of all Jesus had done. And what did he do for her? He had mercy on her even though she couldn't even see clearly. In the other gospel passages, you read about Mary couldn't see. Jesus stood there. She thought it was a gardener. They believe her vision was, was, was uh, blurred with her tears. She couldn't see, but she believed. It's kind of like last night we had our candles for the Easter vigil. And I blew it, and it didn't blow out. So I blew real hard, and a big amount of hot wax flew straight into my eye. And a direct, directly right into the center of my eye. And I couldn't see. And I had to go back to the sacristy. I tried to flush it out. I wasn't able to see. And I think that's what Mary Magdalene was experiencing through her tears. She couldn't see. And yet, we believe. That's what faith is, belief when we necessarily can't see. And so this <clears throat> is why <clears throat> Mary Magdalene is important. Her troubled past 
did not disqualify her from being the first witness of the resurrection. This is Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, Father, it's not yet Divine Mercy Sunday. That's next Sunday. What are you talking about? All eight days are celebrated as one. In the Jewish tradition, when a feast was so big that it couldn't be celebrated over eight full days, or excuse me, over one day, it would be celebrated over eight full days. Now, this is very important because what we're about to experience in the next eight days can change your eternal destiny. All right. Now, we can't separate. In an octave, all eight days are celebrated as one day. And the Easter octave today begins Easter Sunday, day one, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the eighth day, Divine Mercy Sunday. All, all eight days are celebrated as Easter. It's called the Easter octave. And that's why we can actually eat meat this Friday. We Marians don't eat meat at all during the whole year, but when it falls on this day, because it's all these days are Easter. So I'm gonna have me a Big Mac or something. <laughs> so we celebrate. Now, Father Seraphim went a little farther than I've ever gone. And he used to say that actually Divine Mercy Sunday is greater than Easter. I've never gone that far. The reason is because they're all one day. So you can't really separate it. But why, he would point out, St. Gregory Nazianzus would say, and so did St. Augustine, that the eighth day is the greatest of the days in any octave of feast. It's the culmination. It's the compendium of the days of mercy. The days of mercy are these eight days. This is why I thank God that he didn't end the world before this week. So we pray that God allows us, if he's going to come again, please, Lord, come after divine or on divine mercy Sunday so that we can be wiped clean of sin and punishment, be ready to enter into eternity, which that's what the number eight means to the Jews. So why would Father Seraphim say that Divine Mercy Sunday is actually greater than Easter Sunday? Again, I don't say that. I say they're equal. They're all one. It's the same day. But I think what he meant was this. And Father Seraphim, I apologize if I'm getting this wrong, because I could see him up there going, no, 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 you got that wrong. I, I learned from Father Seraphim, and my understanding <clears throat> from hearing him is this. On Easter Sunday, Jesus opened the door to heaven. This was what had been locked. He descended to, the, to hell, not the hell of the damned, but, but Sheol, or Hades, not, not Gehenna. Gehenna is the hell of the damned. But to those who were waiting, Adam and Eve, Abraham, David, Moses, and announced the glory that the doors of heaven were open. That's what happened on day one, Easter Sunday, today. Jesus, through his passion, death, and resurrection, his passion and death, his passion to atone for our sins, his death to pay our debt for sin, and then his resurrection to defeat death. Now the doors of heaven are open. Now, the next seven days, because the number seven is the perfect number, but regards to time or creation. The next seven days are symbolic of our pilgrimage here on earth called life. Now, here's something that I never said in any of my Divine Mercy talks before, at least that I can think of. And I think this is what Seraphim was getting at. On the eighth day, <clears throat> it is the compendium, the culmination of the days of mercy. Why? Because on the first day, Easter Sunday, Jesus opened the, the door to heaven, 
but on the eighth day, and eight represents eternity to the Jews, we will die, we will enter into eternity. And on the eighth day, we walk through that door. So on the first day of the octave, Easter Sunday, Jesus opened the door. Then we live our life seven days on this earth. And then on the eighth day, we walk through that door. Which one is the greater celebration? They're tied together. The motion of opening a door and walking through it are continuous. So Jesus opens up that door to heaven on Easter Sunday. And next Sunday on Divine Mercy Sunday, symbolically the eighth day that we die and enter into eternity, we walk through that door. It makes perfect sense to me while Seraphim, Father Seraphim used to say it's the greatest of the days. It's because we actually realize what we were created for. This is incredible. This is amazing. You know, Divine Mercy Sunday is the greatest day because Father Seraphim used to say there are two perfections. And this comes from Thomas Aquinas. Every living thing has two perfections. One, the fact that it exists. The very fact that you were created by God is a perfection. You are a creature of God, a creation of God. And then the second and greater perfection is when you become what you were created to be. In the Greek, it's called telos. So a kitten, his telos is to become a cat. An acorn, its telos is to become an oak tree. You become what you were created to be. Why were we created? What were we created for? You all remember your Baltimore Catechism? To know God, to love him and serve him, and to be happy with him forever in heaven. So on that eighth day when we go through the door to heaven, guess what, everybody? We've realized our telos. We've achieved our second perfection. And Seraphim said it's greater than the first perfection of just existing. So in Easter Sunday, when Jesus opened that door, nothing else happens. Without Easter Sunday, there is no open door to heaven. Nothing else happens. But on Divine Mercy Sunday and all these eight days in between, we're preparing to walk through that door. Amazing. You know, if the apostles didn't believe yet, they would. Shortly. You know, the apostles, here's the thing, everybody. If the apostles stole the body, which still many claim out there, if they did that as a hoax, um, they never would have had a woman to be the witness. No offense, but that's just the way it was in first century Palestine. Um, Mary went to Peter, right? Despite the fact that he had just denied Jesus, showing that he was still the leader. Showing he was still the leader. So St. Peter is critically important here is maintaining leadership. So Peter came with John and John, because he, he was talking about himself. And what did John do? What did it say when he got to the tomb? He deferred to Peter and let Peter enter first. That shows he deferred to him as the leader. Now they went in and the grave clothes were not disarranged. What Father Matthew just read. Did you hear this? They were lying neatly and folded. Now, this is critically important because the grave clothes did not look as if they had been taken off. If Jesus wasn't really dead, 
and was just comatose and then, then woke up, he would have taken those clothes off. Now, here's the point, everybody. With 75 pounds of spices, which is what they would have had in the shroud, Jesus would have had to struggle to get out of it because he was tied. The, if this is Jesus' body, the shroud wrapped around it. It wrapped around it. It was a single cloth. That's why Jesus' front and back, his, his front and his back image are both on the shroud because the shroud was wrapped around him in one single piece. And then it was tied. He would have had to struggle to get out of it with 75 pounds of spices there. It would have been a big struggle. Now, if he did, it would have been torn. And then the napkin, in what is used in some other gospels, or the sudarium, this was the face cloth, would not have been rolled up. And if somebody stole the body, because that's the more common claim, they would not have left the cloths behind and certainly wouldn't have folded them. That would have been like a robber coming and stealing your silverware out of your house and then making the dinner table before he left. Not going to happen. And so if these robbers would have come, they wouldn't have left the clothes behind and certainly wouldn't have folded them. No thief would have taken the time to unwrap the corpse and then fold the clothes. Why? In those days, robbers stole the linen and left the body behind. Here, they left the linen and took the body. No, that wouldn't have been what happened. If there were bank robbers, bank robbers, tomb robbers, <laughs> if there were tomb robbers, they would have taken the linens. They didn't care about the body. They wanted the linen. It was a very fine linen. It had been worth some money. And so this is the opposite. Opposite of what, if they were trying to pull a hoax, they would not have had a woman as a witness. Women weren't credible in those days. And they certainly would not have left the linen. They would have taken it. They didn't care about the body. They would have left the body. Instead, the opposite happened. As if the body of Jesus was now means something. And you know, in the cloth, the shroud, um, it's almost like the body of Jesus evaporated because it looks like it went through the cloth. It, it's the image on the shroud. It looks like it almost was scorched into the cloth. Now, what is that image? We see in the image of the shroud, a crucified male with a beard, 5'11", 5'10", 5'11", about 175 pounds. Now, his physique from the shroud, we could see, was, was muscular, was well-built, estimated about 30 to 35 years old. They determine that the blood on the shroud is real blood. And as I said, the image appears to be scorched. Scorched. The only two things that could make such an image is either a bolt of lightning or an amazing amount of radiation. And what do you think, if you were to envision being in the tomb during the resurrection, wouldn't the face, first thing you think about is this great burst of light, this great burst of light, so great, almost like radiation. So they've tested this cloth. You know, they found pollen um, on the cloth that comes only from 
the Holy Land, and many of the pollens had been extinct since the first century. So it dates the cloth back to that time and place. The thing that fascinates me is, you know, um, they use that NASA imager, and they were able to zoom in on the face on the cloth. And you know what they discovered? I've mentioned this before, but maybe you haven't heard this. They used to put coins on the eyes of people who died because of rigor mortis. They didn't want people freaking out if, because of the rigor mortis, after somebody had died, all of a sudden, bam, their eyes pop open. <laughs> it would scare people. And they would blow up, they blew up the face on the shroud and they discovered two coins in the eye sockets. And they were actually able to read the transcription on the coins. And the coins on that eye were minted under the authority of Pontius Pilate. And that style of coin was minted between 29 and 32 AD, which would have been the coins in circulation when Jesus died. How come we don't hear about this? Testing. Oh, well, Father, the testing in 1978 determined it was only from the Middle Ages. Yeah, when the part of the shroud you cut is from a swatch that was stitched on by the nuns in the Middle Ages. You know, I'm an engineer. And engineers, we can be really smart analytically, but common sense, we can be some of the dumbest people you've ever seen. How could a team of engineers be so analytically smart, yet so common sense stupid to realize that the piece they were analyzing was a swatch that was sewed on in the Middle Ages by the nuns. And that's when they come back and say, oh, well, you know, the shroud dates back to the Middle Ages. Well, yeah, when the part you test is from the Middle Ages, because it had burned, been burned in a fire. So they had sewn on some of the extra edges. You know, studies have shown that the shroud is not a painting. It's not a drawing. So we need faith. Faith to see, like Mary Magdalene with her tears or me with hot candle wax, to see although you can't see, to believe although you can't see. You know, I think one of the most fascinating things to me on this shroud, and again, you may not have heard this, do you know this is the only example in recorded history, the only recorded example in history is the Bible of a man who was both scourged and crucified. In all the other writings, Josephus and all the other historical writings we have, the Romans never did both. If they were trying to teach a lesson and not kill somebody, but just teach him a lesson, they would scourge him. But then they would let him go, just like Pilate was intending to do to Jesus. He scourged him and then intended to let him go. So the Romans, if they want to teach a lesson, they scourged, but they did not crucify. Now, if it was a major crime and they knew they were going to crucify him, they did not scourge him because the scourging would have made it too weak. He would have been too weak to be able to finish, to carry his cross all the way to the place of crucifixion. Never in recorded history has ever there been an example of a man who was both scourged and crucified other than the Bible. Jesus Christ. It's the only one. Because they weren't planning when Pilate had him scourged, was not planning on him crucified. 
but then he got talked into it. This shroud is an image of a man who is both scourged and crucified. What a relic. What an amazing story. So to finish, why did Jesus die and resurrect? You've heard me say this before. Because the penalty for sin is death. But I, I mentioned on Holy Thursday something I found in my seminary notes the other day I've never said before. Why did blood have to be shed? Well, I always say the penalty for sin was death, so you had to, somebody had to die to pay for the sin. But what I saw in my seminary notes, I've never mentioned until Holy Thursday. And that is the Jews believed blood had to be spilled because sin is so ingrained in us. Sin is so in us that it's in our blood. So when you drain the blood, you drain the sin. When you empty the blood, you empty the sin. So that's why the Jews eat koshered meat. It's drained of blood. That's symbolic. In their tradition, the animal represented the people. That's why we call them a scapegoat. When somebody's a scapegoat, it means that the goat took on the burdens of the people, the sins of the people, and was shoved out into the, to the desert to die. And so Christ is he who died for our sins. Now, I'm going to go through a lot more of this coming up this week and on Divine Mercy Sunday to talk about the meaning of the rays, the tools of Satan that Jesus has overcome, and Jesus giving us this gift. But for now, it is enough to just meditate on the meaning of this day. Before we get ready to walk through the door next Sunday, let's meditate on how Jesus opened the door and his love for us that opened the door to heaven and all creation so that we could be reconciled back to God the Father from which we came. What a beautiful gift that we have in our faith and in this act of love from Jesus. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, 
and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.